guys welcome back it's good to be with you again this is richard Sachs on lost arts radio and we have one of our best friends with us today as a special treat dr rima labo who with her husband bird has been working and also ralph Fisatola, the three trustees of natural solutions foundations has been working for many years to uh, promote health freedom on planet earth and it's one of the most important projects that you could do uh, and people think in terms of health being only one part of your life, but actually it covers pretty much everything, especially when you look at health on all levels, not only physical. And so they're doing incredible work. Uh, Bert's input is still there, and Ralph and Dr. Rima are working together all the time. And one of the things that's happening right now that's the most important of uh, many events that have happened in recent years is the attempt by the World Health Organization, which actually is a misnomer. Uh, Dr. Labo clarifies that it, it's actually the World Homicide Organization, and it's just called Health for short. And they're trying to take the power to um, take over sovereign countries and tell them what to do. And again, people think this is only in health situations. That's true, and what defines a health situation is their declaration. So at any time, if this gets done, then at any time they could take over the sovereignty of the world and essentially make a de facto world government based on tyranny and some really unpleasant experiences for all of us. So the public needs to know what's happening with this, what can be done about it, and the current status. And the best person to tell us is Dr. Rima Lebo. So Welcome, Dr. Rima, and it's, it's incredible to have you here. I appreciate it. Thanks for... So much, here. Richard. I always enjoy the opportunity to speak with you, and uh, uh, we explore wonderfully interesting things together, and thank you for yeah. your kind words. Very much deserved. So what I want to do, um, as we do with other subjects, is not just preach to the choir. You know, I think it's easy to do a show assuming a base of knowledge that may be present in your regular listeners, but they already, you know, if they have that base knowledge, they're already involved. And what's needed in this and other important projects is for the people who have no clue what's going on to be brought in as well. So I think even though our time is really limited, and I'll watch the clock so we don't make you late for your next appointment, um, let's do a few minutes recap of the real basics you know because people assume health means whatever they're doing is okay and world health is even better and an organization for world health is like i mean forget it that's better than almost anything in the world so what's world health organization and what have they done up to now and what's the danger at this point that could, be, really that, could be, that could be hours, but let's do it. In many hours, but I'll try to make it very brief and very direct. Um, let's start with what they are. And I 
By the way, I do not call them uh, the World Homicide Organization because homicide is generally uh, something that happens to a small number of people. I call them the World Holocaust Organization. Okay, the, that's more accurate. Sorry about that. Indeed it is because their goal is to eliminate vast numbers of people from the planet to kill them or to bring about their death and then to enslave, literally enslave at the genetic and neurological level those few people who are permitted to remain, serving their special interest class, um, whom they call relevant stakeholders. Now, relevant stakeholders means... Well, that sounds who, incredibly impressive, relevant. It does, I mean, and you're not relevant included... As, Relevant as like three syllables, right? And stakeholders, I mean, that's just also three. So six full <laughs> syllables to it, say, it not you. Okay, You're not so, a relevant well, stakeholder. I'm not a relevant stakeholder. We needed a translation. The relevant stakeholders are the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the pharmaceutical industry, the Soros Foundation. Gavi, which is Bill and Melinda Gates, Rotary International, which is Bill and Melinda Gates organization. And uh, did I mention the Rockefeller Institute? The folks who have been planning this long sought genocide and enslavement for over a hundred years in some cases with the Rockefeller Institute. So what they have done is gone from an advisory body, which is what they were first crafted to be, and when Harry Truman signed the United States on in 1948 with his executive um, action, he said, we will join the World Health Organization with the proviso that nothing that they want us to do conflicts with any U.S. laws. So he served the Constitution of the United States well in that way. And okay. people need to remember that a treaty, and the uh, WHO has the status of a treaty organization with us, mm-hmm. a treaty overtakes the laws of the country. But Harry Truman said, not in this case. And that well, turns he, out he, to be he, relevant. He didn't make it a treaty if he did it on his own, right? If it's no, he exception. didn't do it on his own. There was a uh, uh, an act of Congress to okay. approve okay. Uh, our involvement, uh, our, okay. a ratification act. And then he signed that because the executive order is necessary to, or the executive signature is necessary to formalize the ratification. So that okay, was all now, laid and out. What you properly. just said before that was a treaty takes precedence over the law of the country signing the treaty. Correct. Because is what that- is a treaty? A treaty is an international legal agreement that says once ratified, my country is bound by the international law that we have just agreed to. And therefore, any law in the country that conflicts with it must be altered or um, invalidated in order to comply with the treaty. So that's a problem because it means Congress in the f- ratifying a treaty can sign away the Constitution. Except the that Constitution- they can't. Constitution- 
Well, that's what I'm saying. The Constitution is based around the idea that the rights of everybody, you and me and all the people, come from God, not from government. And they can never be taken away by humans in any form. Actually, the Declaration of Independence says that. The Constitution yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't quite say that. No, I'm um, sorry. The but the Constitution does say we've got laws, and those laws have to be consistently and uh, justly um, applied using the checks and balances system that's laid out in the Constitution. So well, this is a really important question. Can the Constitution be signed away no, by a treaty cannot. that takes precedence? Why, what do you base that on? Because you just said it could. No, I said that Harry Truman reminded uh, the WHO in his signing statement that mm. nothing in that treaty could force us to violate our laws. In general, when treaties are uh, ratified, they have to be consistent with the Constitution or uh, principal structural uh, documentation of a country. So if somebody wanted to sign a treaty, wanted to have a treaty ratified that violated the U.S. Constitution, Congress would have a responsibility not to ratify it. Otherwise, they would be violating their oath of office, which says that they will defend, protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So they have a responsibility to not allow such a treaty to be implemented. And when did this treaty start with with WHO? 1948. Now, when 19 when WHO was created and remind me about the Vienna Treaty of Treaties because this is very important. Okay. When WHO was created, it was supposed to be an advisory organization. We're going to help you have better health worldwide. We're going to communicate. We're going to collaborate. We're going to bring you best practices and new information. And we're going to do things that help you be better at having health for your people. Countries. And they were saying they're the real Natural Solutions Foundation. They were saying they're the real. Well, they they actually never met a vaccine they didn't love. Uh, and so uh, they actually are very, very fond of pharmaceutical solutions, and they help to bring us the entire opioid crisis by lying and um, dissembling and and, uh, suppressing real information about the addictive nature of opioids. Um, They've been on the wrong side of everything that they've touched, but that's another story. So we've got this allegedly kind, loving organization, all beneficent and good, allegedly, which was advisory. Really bad at what they did, but good at public relations and propaganda. Well, they decided that they would now go for what they're really about. In my estimation, WHO and the United Nations were created to be global governance organizations to take over the functions of each and every country and destroy national and personal autonomy and sovereignty. Not everybody agrees with that assessment. However, in the late 90s, the 
World Health Organization created something called the International Health Regulations or IHR. The International Health Regulations say, oh, we have to be able to communicate and collaborate and uh, cross-pollinate each other in terms of international responses to potential pandemics. That word should be blinking in your consciousness. Pan- potential pandemics. Keep that phrase in mind. And let so a potential inter- pandemic is different than an actual pandemic. Absolutely, because in a modern society with a functional health system, there is no such thing as a pandemic. They simply do not occur. Pandemics occur where you have poor hygiene, where you have poor nutrition, where you have poor sanitation, and where you do not have available modern health care. And that does not necessarily involve drugs. That involves things like vitamin C. Where you have modern functioning healthcare systems, food distribution, sanitation, and hygiene systems, you will never have a pandemic. Ah, but Dr. Rima, didn't we just have a pandemic? Nope. We had a propagandemic. We had people only beginning to die in excess numbers, that is more people than usually die, once the vaccines were rolled out. The deaths from the alleged pandemic, the propagandemic, the COVID, simply weren't there. Nobody was dying from COVID. They were dying from ventilator misuse, Eventually, they got to be dying from remdesivir and midazolam and the protocols and the other mistreatments. And then they really started dying in big numbers from the death shots, also known as the COVID-19 vaccines or jabs. We didn't have a pandemic. What we've had is a slaughter. There's a big difference. So back to the WHO. The and, and by the, the way, these statements that I'm making are backed by documented, um, verified statistics. The excess mortality in Europe and the United States and elsewhere in the world did not exist until the vaccine rollout. And that's what's that and the misuse of protocols is what has killed people, large numbers of people, and what is killing them now in what's called sudden adult death syndrome and other horrendous slaughters, including the slaughter of the unborn. I don't mean abortion. I mean stillbirths and um, mm. uh, spontaneous abortions from the dangers of the vaccines. Right. Moving along to WHO. So WHO said, you know what? We've been advisory for a while. Now let's take over the world. And so they revised the international health regulations in 2005. And now they want to revise them again. Every country in the world, all 194 countries, Richard, is a signatory to the international health regulations. We are not, I repeat, not talking about the Pandemic Preparedness and Response Treaty. That is a red herring. That is a decoy. 
the real issue is the International Health Regulation Amendments, which are being considered at this year's World Health Assembly in May, where all the 194 countries of the world come together, and they're going to consider the amendments proposed by the United States and Bangladesh and India and uh, South American countries and African countries and so on. And they're going to look at those amendments, and if they can, they're going to adopt them. Well, why do I care about that? Why do you care about that, Richard? You care about that deeply because those amendments, if adopted, would shift the already dangerous, corrupt, inefficient, and murderous WHO from an advisory body to a world governance body. Now, we warned about this. I warned about it in uh, back in 2014, 2007, I'm sorry, when I said when the current amendments, this is back in 2007, when the current amendments go into effect on July 14th of that year, it will give every it, it will give over governance of every country in the world to the director general of the world health organization in the event that the director general declares a level 4 pandemic not defined and it gave the uh the director general power to declare a level 4 pandemic without any opportunity for any country to question it, challenge it, or reverse it. So it was unilateral power that would give the Director General of the United Nations total governance because once a level four pandemic was declared, they got to take over world governance. And people and that said, was you in know- 2007? Uh-huh. July 14th. Let, and I- let me interject one question. Sure. I'm sorry. Um, when did their health regulations start without the amendments? Uh, the initial health regulations were back in the 90s, I believe 1992, but it were could they, be 94. Were they binding then? And if not, what kept them from being a world government at that time? They didn't give the director general power to take over world governance in the face of pandemics. They gave okay. the director general the uh, opportunity to provide guidance. Now, okay. at that time, and even after um, uh, July 14, 2007, if a country said, no, we don't, we don't have a pandemic, WHO did not have the authority to say, oh, yeah, you do, and we're taking over, and we're coming in. Now, with the proposed amendments, not only the director general of the WHO, who currently happens to be Tedros, who is a known member of a genocidal terrorist group in Ethiopia, and Tedros himself, when he was um, both in the uh, terrorist group and when he was the minister of health in Ethiopia, is responsible, directly responsible for the death of well in excess of a million Ethiopians through genocide. So he's practiced at this. But 
with the the new uh, amendments, if adopted, the director general or any of the six regional directors can declare a public health emergency of international concern or a fike. Uh, we choose to say fake. And once that's declared, as was declared with monkeypox, by the way, once that's declared, they can say your country is at risk and take over the governance of your country. But wait, there's more. They can also compel any treatment they want, any quarantine they want, any seizure of any property or persons like your children that they want and do anything that they want once they've done that. And furthermore, they take over the manufacture, sale, distribution of all medical items. They take over, they create a digital health certificate, which is necessary for you to do anything, including travel, bank, eat, whatever it is that you need to do, you must have these certificates. This is the digital ID that goes along with the central uh, uh, bank currency, the digital currency, the CBDC. the, the travel restrictions, the personal restrictions, the, uh, restrictions of every aspect of your life under essential endless military martial medical law directed by the director general Tedros, a known genocidalist, will become legally binding on your country unless two things happen. The first is that your country exits the WHO. Mm-hmm. We think that's a really good idea. We think every country in the world needs to exit the WHO, and it's actually fairly easy to do. The second thing that has to happen is that at these negotiations, which have been conducted in secret, Richard, there has been no opportunity for any input from the most important relevant stakeholder, me, and the other most important relevant stakeholder, you, to give any input whatsoever. The relevant stakeholders are the Rockefeller Foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Soros Foundation, the pharmaceutical industry, the travel industry, um, the digital um, uh, giants. Those are the relevant stakeholders. Well, uh, they get to say what they want. We don't. And then our lives are totally controlled if these people do it. So the second thing that each nation has to do is to express what's called a reservation. Once the amendments are accepted or adopted at the World Health Health Assembly, a country can say, the United States of America expresses a reservation. We're not going to do this. It doesn't apply to us. And then... They can make that lawful within the next several months by taking congressional action. So we have a little bit of opportunity. We have to get out and we have to express our reservations if these things are approved. Sadly, our government has been at the helm of this race to fascism. 
And therefore, it is incumbent upon us, the people of every country in the world, to pound on our political leaders and say what you know that I say are the three most important words of a free person. Mm. Don't you dare. And the way to do that is to go to preventgenocide2030.org and take the action items there. Sending emails to the political leaders. And the next thing that people say is, emails are useless. I sent an email once. No, no, no. One email is useless. A hundred emails are useless. A million emails, four million emails, ten million emails are not useless. They are an incredibly important political power. And so it's incumbent upon us to pound on our political leaders and compel them to do our will, because otherwise the globalists will compel us to either be dead or enslaved at the genetic level. You said preventgenocide2030.org, right? Is that the link that you sent me earlier, too? It is. Okay, that's and what's at that site? At that site, you'll find a good deal of information about this. And by the way, none of this is imagined. All of this is documented, and it's documented in their uh, basic and developed documents. And we have those documents, many of them, on the site for people to peruse and understand the the issues in great detail. Uh, my colleague and friend, James Roguski, is a wonderful researcher and spends a great deal of time breaking this very complicated gobbledygook down and making it available, and that's on the site. The other thing that they'll find on the site is the action item pages. We have action items for the United States, for Canada, uh, for the UK. We're putting them up for Australia, for New Zealand, for a variety of other countries so that people can go there and ride their freedom mouse Hmm. to tell their political representatives that we must exit the World Health Organization. Now, people sometimes say, but we need the World Health Organization. (laughs) No, we don't. No, we don't. What we need is collaboration. We do not need coercion. We do not need dictatorship. This is the same argument about the UN, right? We uh, and uh, absolutely, uh, the World Health Organization is a subsidiary organization to the UN. So we need to get out of WHO to prevent it from literally killing us, right. and we need to also get out of the United Nations because the United Nations has a group of really toxic organizations, UNESCO. When I was a kid, uh, at Halloween, they would give us little uh, orange and black boxes and we'd go around and we'd get, we'd collect pennies for UNESCO so we could help children. It's all propaganda. These are hate-filled, destructive organizations that do terrible things to bring about world governance. Now, let me remind people that the World Health Organization, which I call the World Holocaust Organization, has been in favor of severe population reduction for decades, and they've been saying it. 
and we've been ignoring them. They mean to kill the vast majority of us and enslave the rest of us through transhumanism, making us part of the Internet of Bodies, which means controlling us via AI. And oh, by the way, just as a little, um, as they say in, in uh, New Orleans, a little lenny up, just a little extra. They intend to force upon us, every man, woman, and child, except, of course, themselves, every vaccine that currently exists. And according to their documentation, which I have published, five hundred new jabs based on the mRNA platform, of course, 500 new jabs by 2030. When you consider the havoc, the chaos, the harm, the death brought about by just the COVID jabs, Mm -hmm. and you multiply that by 500, you see that this is death by syringe. I think it's good to be clear on something that on most platforms you can't talk about. And even even not just that you can't talk about it, but even most of these really out-of-the-box doctors that are willing to say that the COVID vaccine has killed, I think, accurately, probably 20 million people in the world so far, roughly. Um, and that's just the beginning. Almost every one of them says, well, because it's not a vaccine, the real vaccines are wonderful. And they saved the world from polio and from smallpox. And I mean, I'm sure you probably agree with this, Dr. Rima, that most of them actually sincerely believe because of their training and the difficulty of getting out of it. The vaccine theory is totally valid. And most of the vaccines have saved millions of lives. Is there anything to say about that to the people that are listening who may not be familiar with the truth about vaccines. Being funny, right? Well, it's not really funny, actually. <laughs> no, it's tragic. So many, Absolutely. So many people are dying. Vaccines, yeah. vaccines have, in my view, as a physician, Absolutely no place in human or animal health. They are the greatest fraud that has ever been perpetrated, second perhaps to allopathic medicine in general, on the human race. Vaccines are shameful and they are a sham. You cannot fundamentally inject pus and poison into a mammalian body and expect it to produce health. It simply does not work. What works is producing long-term, profitable, chronic illness that the pharmaceutical industry, which manufactures the vaccines, now has the opportunity to extract the profit from and the submissive status of a sick humanity from for the rest of the life of each of those individuals. No, vaccines do not work. And if you look at the, uh, and I've written about vaccines as a, a fraud for decades now. If you look, for instance, at um, deaths from the supposedly prevented diseases, you will see that the CDC website still says or at least it did the last time I checked, which was not long ago, that the cause of polio in the modern world Mm -hmm. is the transmission of polio infective particles from the vaccinated. 
you will see, and there is no question in my mind, Richard, none whatsoever, that autism is an iatrogenic disease created by vaccination, created Mm -hmm. by vaccination. By the way, one of my publications is a book called The uh, Definitive uh, Guide to the Autism, The Definitive Guide, which is a manual for parents to retrieve their children from the disaster of autism. And no, it's not just another way of being. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know about the site, uh, what's it called? The controlgroup.org. No, I do not. This is a, a great, uh, I mean, there's so much to talk about and I know our time is almost up, but there's a lady named, uh, Joy Garner in California who has been on the show multiple times. Yes, 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 yes of course. Yes. And, Sorry. Right. I, and, yes. And she did this survey. It was only in the U.S., but it was a pretty good survey looking for the people that may still exist that never got vaccinated at all and the ones that did and, and comparing the health statistics on all the major diseases. And where the, basically, to back up your point about aut- autism being iatrogenic, specifically caused by vaccines for the most part, that where there's no vaccination, there's essentially no autism even though there are other factors that add to it. When I I graduated from medical school in 1970, Richard, uh, mm. which I am happy to say is still within living memory. Um, at that time, there were autistic individuals. They occurred with a rate of about one in 10,000. Mm-hmm. We now are looking at perhaps one in 30. That's a big difference. It's a big difference, and genetics don't change that fast. No. We're talking about iatrogenesis, doctor-created disease. Autism will occur rarely where there's an, uh, a neurological interference with, uh, with the communication skills and processing and so on. It can happen. Mm-hmm. But as a plague, as a new normal, no. That's iatrogenic, and the principal culprit is vaccination. Yeah. You know, I think one thing that makes it hard for people to grasp what you're saying and even believe any of it is that the doctors who are implementing these policies, they come down from the drug companies and from higher-level authority. Most of them are really sincere, and they're not trying to be murderers. I'm not ascribing ascribing ill-motivation to the ordinary kind of street level person who's interacting with the populace, with doctors, with even with uh, mid-level management in WHO and with scientists in WHO. From the top levels. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And the top levels are murderers. They, they really are, and not just the average murderers that you described with the word homicide. That's usually a small number of victims. These are murderers that think big in terms of wiping out whole populations. And I think you were a long time ago, years ago on the show, if I remember right, the person who described somebody from inside the uh, one of the drug companies that had a job developing candidate uh, chemicals for new medicines to patent and they never got any accepted and the reason was they didn't have an acceptable side effect profile 
Do you remember that? that, Yes, I do. I do. Um, This was an Indian uh, PhD biochemist Mm -hmm. whose job was developing candidate molecules that could become new blockbuster drugs. And all of his blockbuster drugs that he was uh, hoping to have accepted by the company um, were rejected because they might cure this or that. But they did not have enough side effects associated with them to sell all the other drugs for the side effect symptoms. Yeah, he wasn't up to date on the correct model. It's supposed to cover up symptoms for a while, enough to make you buy the drug and make you worse in the long run. And he wasn't doing that. And he, he did not get with the program. So what he did actually was quit his job and scrape together millions and millions of dollars, do his own drug research, and come up with a remarkable product that um, actually cures cures quite a number of uh, terrible problems. You're, are you allowed to say the word cure? Uh, only in very circumspect uh, usage, because in the United States, the land of the free and the home of the brave and the, the home of the First Amendment um, right. and freedom of speech, it is illegal under what I believe to be an unconstitutional uh, piece of legislation. But what do I know? Um, it's called the um, Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994, DSHEA, which mm-hmm. says... You can have any dosage of supplements that you want. That's good. And then DeShea says, on the other hand, you cannot use the words prevent, treat, mitigate, cure, or diagnose with any named uh, affliction or disease in association with any nutrient. So you can't say that uh, vitamin C cures scurvy, for example, even though vitamin C does cure scurvy. You can't say, buy my vitamin C because this will cure scurvy. Um, so they that was a trade-off when DeShea was passed by unanimous congressional consent. Um, they said, tell you what, we're, we'll just put in some restrictions that eventually can be used to kill the entire supplement industry. Right, right. So we've got, this is, this is one instance of a vast network of mafias, basically. And I I say that hesitantly because it's kind of an insult to the regular mafia. I was going to say, you know, that's not nice to the mafias. No, because they have standards of conduct. They do. And, and these guys, the standards of conduct is human sacrifice, basically. Well, one of the things that mafias uh, of whatever ethnicity or, or uh, allegiance yeah. Restrict themselves to is only killing people who get in their direct way and trying yeah. not to kill people outside of their, um, their circle of influence. And now, they usually try not to kill women and children too. Sometimes. Depends how, how annoyed they are with women and children. But generally, right. yeah, uh, the European based mafias kind of go that way. But right. this mafia, this, this super mafia, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. wants to eliminate at least 90% of the entire human race. Right. And it's quite one a of different pro- thing. One of their projects is this IHR regulation amendments that you're talking about. Correct. And let me make something very, very clear. Here we are not, not talking about 
the Pandemic Preparedness and Response Treaty. That's a decoy. We're talking about the International Health Regulation Amendments. They're coming up real soon. What's in the treaty that you're saying is the decoy? Well, the treaty isn't even going to be allegedly considered until 2024 at the World okay. Health Assembly. Uh, and, and a lot of people are mistaking and conflating the treaty for the international health regulations. For instance, Ron Paul, who has been advocating to get out of the World Health Organization for about, what, 7,000 years? Ron yeah. Paul recently sent out um, a petition to stop the treaty when the issue isn't the treaty. The right. issue is the r- amendments because a treaty needs to be ratified. Otherwise, the country doesn't enter into the treaty and it has no effect. But the international health regulations go into effect allegedly when the delegate from the United States, Canada, Malaysia, wherever, to the World Health Assembly in May mm-hmm. signs the agreement that they have participated in agreeing to the amendments being adopted by a simple majority of the 194 members. At that point, since we're already part of the World Health Organization and already part of the international health regulations, allegedly those regulation amendments go into effect. Among them, Article 3, of the international health regulations currently states that everything that's done has to be done with reference to and in respect of the dignity and the rights of every individual. That has been, in the proposed amendments, X'd out. No more dignity, no more rights. Instead, something called equity. And equity means... If you have something, I can take it away from you. That's what equity means. That makes sense. And wasn't there uh, one of the doctors when COVID was being declared, one of the uh, WHO doctors was saying, you know, what we really need to do for everybody's benefit is go inside their houses and remove family members that we say are dangerous. In South Africa, they said, let's be able to do that and do a whole lot more. In New York State, they said, let's be able to do that. And currently, in New York State, from which I hail, um, they have health regulations, which were not voted upon, which the um, legislative body of New York State did not act upon. This was at the pleasure of the governor. And Governor Huchel said, Okay, we're going to approve these. This was, they were approved uh, February 15th of 2022. And they say, if the governor decides that you are a potential health risk for any disease declared or undeclared, 
then you can be removed from your home. Your family members can be taken. You can be put in a concentration camp, a quarantine center. You can be forced to accept any treatment which is uh, imposed upon you for the good of the community, of course. Right. Um, and your property can be seized without recompense. That's already in effect in New York State. Yeah. Do you remember one of the, uh, I don't remember the man's name, he's a famous attorney. He was on a, one of the major news stations being interviewed, and he said, no, I've checked, and according to our constitutions, you have no right to avoid being forced vaccinated because it's for the good of the greater you know, community. Of course, he is Dershowitz. absolutely dead wrong. Dershowitz. Well, yeah. Dershowitz takes quite a number of interesting positions, doesn't he? But... Yeah. Um, he's, he's absolutely wrong. However, I'm sure he's much wealthier than he was when he was adhering to the constitutional right. reality. He's got a lot of, a lot of interesting new job offers too. Yeah, I'm sure. So the, the I think you said there's a step in these regulations coming into effect that involves a signature from, from the delegate from your country, whether it's the U.S. or some other country, to the WHO. And once that signature is given, then they're in effect for that country. Is that accurate or did I misunderstand? It's accurate, except for the fact that it's muddy. They've made things very, very, very unclear. For example, there is something called a reservation. Now, when I make a reservation, um, it's for a flight or a hotel room. However, right. when countries make a reservation, uh, they will say, no, don't think so. For example, when I was attending Codex Alimentarius meetings regularly, the People's Republic of China would say very little during the debate uh, on a particular issue. And then once the, the uh, motion was adopted... Um, they would say the People's Republic of China reserves the right to uh, express its reservation, uh, its sovereign state reservation, which meant, no, we're not going along with that. That's called a reservation. Once okay. something has been adopted, a country has the right in these fora to express a reservation. Now, it is critically important that the U.S. delegates, that the British delegates, that the uh, EU delegates, that the Argentinian delegates, etc., express their reservations if any of these uh, horrible amendments turning WHO from an advisory body into a world control body are adopted. Uh, the question is, will they? And if they don't, then the United States still has a period of time, and it's almost impossible to determine what that period of time is. Is it 18 months? Is it 12 months? Is it nine months? Is it four months? It's really hard to tell because they've muddied the waters, but we have some period of time in which to say, uh, no, we're expressing a reservation. We're not doing that. And if we don't do that, then, Richard, we are doomed as a country, and our individual rights are ended. Right. And so, <clears throat> with the understanding of how this comes into force, what you're explaining is, currently, 
in my experience, the investigations that I've done are so-called representatives are controlled by bribes, blackmail, and threats to their family. The Pretty much almost all of them, and even the ones that seem to be outside of that, are clearly unwilling to talk about certain subjects. So you they're in a position ready to go along with this currently. And what you're saying is the only way to avoid that is put so much pressure on them that they perceive that pressure as stronger than the threats to their families' lives. And you have a way or, to do or that. Or that they perceive that there is so much pressure that their utility to the people who are actually in control of them is diminished and their safety is no longer guaranteed unless they can mm. remain within the um, uh, the lane in which they have influence in terms of the popular awareness. Right. So I'm, I'm only interrupting and talking quickly because I'm watching the clock and I know you have to go. But um, so you're talking about applying an, a massive amount, a massive amount of emotional pressure to individuals. No, I'm talking about applying a, a massive amount of political pressure. Emotional yeah, pressure ain't going to get us nothing. No, but if they don't, well, my point is, if, if they don't feel enough, if they don't feel something that strikes them deeply on an emotional level, then they'll say, you know, they'll feel like they're not affected. No, I have to disagree with you. Uh, Our experience has been over decades now that Uh every time we, the people, mount enough of an uproar and speak in a loud enough voice consistently and say the same things, always amounting to don't you dare. When we do that, the globalists back off. Every single time when they don't back off, it's we haven't mounted enough of an uproar. I don't care what they feel. I don't know whether it's fear or concern or worry or um, strategic reassessment. I don't know what they feel, but I know what they do, which is back off. It's just numbers then. Yes. And you've got software set up connected with the site that you mentioned. Yes. Prevent Genocide 2030, not stop, Prevent Genocide 2030.org. Yes. Okay. And what is, does that mean that because of the software, somebody can just write a simple uh, response and it goes to all these different representatives that are connected? We have, we have letters there. If you want to edit them and change them, you're perfectly free to do so. You click the, the word send underneath the letter. And it goes to all of the identified targets. In Canada, it's 435 members of parliament. In the United States, it's whoever represents you in Congress or at the state level or however the, okay. the letter is directed. And every person goes there once or is this? Oh, no, repeated? I hope they go there many times okay. because it's a matter of how many letters the staffers track coming right, in right, right, on right. each side of each issue. And you used this before with success, and I think yes. you stopped the 2009, if I'm remembering right, fake pandemic with swine flu for one one thing, right? Was we didn't stop the pandemic because there was no pandemic. We well, stopped no. the mandatory vaccination program in the United States in this exact same way. Connected to the plan to declare a pandemic with swine flu. 
Well, they did declare a pandemic with swine flu. There was no pandemic, uh, okay. but they had the vaccine ready to go. And we said, don't you dare. Right. And they had right. the vaccine ready to go as a mandatory vaccine. And they had added a sterilizant called squalene to right, I remember, yeah. the vaccine. Yeah. So that basically saved potentially millions of lives of people that could have been killed by the vaccine, too. Prevented the sterilization of the entire U.S. population. And right. I have to go. Okay. I have another um, appointment. Okay. We're going to have you back. Please. And uh, hold on for about 30 seconds after we stop recording here. And I'll talk to you just for a second. So there goes our friend, Dr. Rima Labo. And she and her husband, Bert, have done incredible work along with uh, Council Ralph Fusatola for many, many years, decades. And they've been, uh, in Europe a lot of times with the WHO meetings and the, the, uh, meetings of the, uh, uh, the group that was, what was the name of the group? Doug, you probably remember that was, uh, outlawing nutrients. At least that was their purpose to make sure. No, um, it's right on the tip of my tongue. We'll think about it. It's in the recorded first part of the show anyway. And they've been working to keep health freedom alive in the U.S. and all around the world. And the other side, this network of mafias that we've been talking about, which in my experience is controlled from above at a non-human level, uh, has been trying to wipe out humanity, not suddenly, at least not as far as I can tell, because they could have done that, but gradually, step by step, systematically, like you would do in some kind of a ritual. And we're the sacrificial animal in that, not for a good cause. Um, and her her point is we should turn that around, you know, before it gets to a point where we can't do that anymore. And using this site, uh, preventgenocide2030.org, which is linked, I think Doug will link it below the video here, uh, is really important. And I asked her the question, do you just go to that once, you know, and fill out the forms and send the uh, communications to your so-called representatives. And she said, no, do it as often as you can. And I totally understand that and agree with her because the office personnel are just told to see how many emails come in with this position or another position on whether the World Health Organization, the international health regulation should be ratified or not, and whether we should stay in the WHO. And this is one of the good things that uh, Trump was saying was that cutting the funding to WHO, but he didn't go far enough. Uh, he should have been saying, get out of the WHO. And if there's anything that we have to do with it, maybe help with getting some of the main uh, promoters of it indicted for crimes against humanity. You know, the fact that it's got the world health, the word health in it makes people drop their guard and think, this must be a really good group that cares about our well-being and our health. And no, they're not nice people. Uh, there's a lot of mid and lower level employees working in all these organizations, the WHO and the UN and other ones who do have good motivation and think that they're helping. And they don't understand that at the top, as Dr. Rima said, it's controlled by a network of mafias whose intent is murderous for large numbers of people, ultimately, for almost all or all of them, all of us. 
So it's important to take that action. And, you know, as she also pointed out, people who say emails don't do anything, it's all a question of numbers. And that's why that site, preventgenocide2030.org, is important because it's the difference between you just writing an email and having it ignored by your fake representative or being one of millions that write again and again and again and with very little effort on our part get sent to all the appropriate representatives. And, uh, you know, it's been proven to work. That's why I brought up the thing about 2009 and the swine flu when I remember a pandemic had already been declared. I thought they called it a stage six, not four, but whatever it was, it was declared as a life-threatening pandemic and they had already arranged the vaccines that would be life-threatening. And as she said with the, with the ingredients they had would have been a sterilant for all the people in the country and outside, a lot of the people there too. And that was stopped by emails. It sounds amazing. It sounds impossible. You know, like you must have to do million man marches or something. This, it was stopped by emails. And she's saying, uh, excuse me, but this is more important than stopping that uh, forced vaccination in 2009, which was successful. This time it's more. It's taken over the country just using, and that's all of 194 countries, is taking over each one so that all they have to do is say, well, it's a possible pandemic now. Sorry. Uh, we're going to tell you everything to do. We're going to say whose family has children removed. We're going to separate families. We're going to put you in concentration camps. This has been done in Australia and England and Canada. They're built in many other countries, including the U.S., ready to use. And this is what has to be stopped. So, very important subject. I'm sorry I don't have my normal voice yet. I'm still in recovery for what I went through. But it seemed really important not to wait to have Dr. Riman right away. And hopefully you'll understand the urgency of her message and go to the website and donate to their work if you can. I'm not being paid to say that. It's just the people with lots of money, especially, need to break out of their complacency and their playing it safe mentality and realize that they've been given, in my opinion, a divine trust, which is lots of resources and money to see how they'll use it. And you guys are not making a smart decision by playing it safe that way. We're too far along at this point. It's uh, whether humanity is going to survive in a livable condition or become slaves or extinct. And even if we have small resources or large ones, it's time to really pay attention to where we put our efforts and our resources. So Natural Solutions Foundation is one of the causes that's really extremely valuable and important. That's why I'm asking Rima to tell us everything she can about the work they're doing. We'll try to have uh, James Roguski on soon, too. He's done great research on this whole issue about the WHO and other related issues. I've talked to him before, and he's very informative. So anyway, hope you realize it's important. It's not uh, not for the purpose of feeling bad or being discouraged or cynical or fatalistic or anything like that. We have vast power in our hands on a consciousness level, for one thing, and we're working with that level in Planetary Healing Club 
at planetaryhealingclub.com if you want to join us in that, but on the physical level too. And that's what Dr. Rima is talking about. Very important how we spend our communications attention. And this is one of the best things you can do with it that's possible. So no reason to have bad outlook for the future. It depends on what we do. And if we wake up and use our time well, that's a contagious pandemic of consciousness and it can spread. And that's what I'd like to see happen. Humans wake up, you know, not not be filming the uh, sequel to Idiocracy. That's not our goal. We need to shake off the hypnosis and come back to life and realize who we are and that we have more power in our hands by far than the few uh, orchestrating the dark side right now that's trying to wipe out life on our planet. It doesn't have to go that way. And even if it's not for us, for the sake of the kids and those waiting to be born now, uh, we need to do our best. So anyway, sorry to be so long. I appreciate your being here. Thanks for your time. And we'll have Dr. Rima back soon. Hopefully our next show will be shortly too as well. Take care of yourself. Have a, have a good night. We'll talk to you soon. Control of the human race Big brother, he's watching you With the click of the mouse He's in your house, he's in your phone Right there with you Wherever you go Can't hide, he can't run, break his law